Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I want to tell you about the Ringer's Gambling Podcast. It is called Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, and you're not going to believe this, but it is hosted by Cousin Sal, the biggest degenerate gambler that I know. He's such a degenerate. He has three other degenerates that he calls the degenerate trifecta, and they break down every conceivable gambling thing you would ever want to gamble on. They even take you to Captain Morgan's Make Believe Casino where Sal makes up props on, on all kinds of things, sports, pop culture, you name it. You are going to want to get your gambling advice from these guys. Cousin Sal, he's been a staple on the BS Podcast for the last 10 years. So good that we gave him his own podcast. Check it out, Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday is from the Ringer, Kevin O'Connor. Kevin! How do I know this is actually you, Chris? How can I know for sure? Oh, I, I suppose you can only take me at my word. And I sound like myself, right? You know what I sound like. So okay. it'd be very difficult for someone to sound like me. Um, oh, you and do I should have quite a unique voice. Yeah, and I should have dropped the AKA Kevin O concert. Uh, because last week you spoke to how you never go to concerts, and there we were, uh, the social media followers of one Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Concert himself, who said that uh, you were you were very excited to see who was it? It was like Arcade Fire or somebody like that. Arcade Fire, yes. Yeah. Did they did they exceed it's your expectations? Time. Yeah, it was my third time seeing them. Um, they're terrific. They're great. Everybody should see them. Really, they're they're a band that I need to go yeah, out of my yeah. way to go check out, huh? In, in I mean, yeah, in, I, in I person. So. I mean, yeah, I think I think they put on terrific live shows. Well, there you go. Uh, the other thing is, after last week, we heard from all manner of different countries. This was shocking. This was a fun part of the last week, from I suppose uh, Tuesday to Tuesday for us was, uh, you know, I gave a shout out to the guys in Ireland. Last week, and I think there was one in uh, Portugal, but we have had, uh, we, I, I know we got Germany and we got Australia, we got Manchester, uh, UK, Portugal, um, Macedonia. We had all kinds of people reaching out from all over the globe. South Korea, I think, was in there, uh, some more Ireland. So that, uh, we are incredibly, uh, I mean, I was surprised and uh, certainly indebted to all of you that uh, listen overseas and uh, literally like all around the globe. I was shocked to see the amount of people that responded to that <laughs> saying that they were listening in these different countries. Um, so that was, that was super cool. And thanks to all of you that download and listen every week. It's pretty sweet, man. NBA is worldwide. I love it. It really is worldwide. Um, all right. So we have got a fun NBA controversy on our hands since yes. we have last since we have last spoken. Kevin Durant himself, uh, I guess it was Sunday night. The controversy began where Kevin Durant tweeted out uh, some things from his account uh, that were responding to fans. And so when he attempted to respond to said fans, he tweeted 
uh, basically in the third person where he was saying Kevin Durant uh, didn't like playing. Uh, he didn't like playing with the organ, or he didn't like the organization of Billy Donovan. Uh, it was just him and Russ. He couldn't win a title with those guys. Now these were soon deleted, but because of the, uh, because I mean, listen, this stuff it, it lives forever. Everybody in the free world was screenshotting it, and then it was passed around everywhere, and immediately opined like, "Oh my goodness, this guy has a second account." He forgot to switch <laughs> to the second account. And so now Kevin Durant accidentally responded to some guy on Twitter besmirching Oklahoma City uh, and Billy Donovan, etc., on accident from his own account. So we need to take a deep dive into this. <laughs> Do we believe that Kevin Durant was responding uh to this person he intended to be to respond to this person from a different account but mistakenly <laughs> tweeted from his own account or i suppose the other theory and that is that someone else has access to his account and they mistakenly posted from his account <laughs> in response to a fan I um <laughs> and this, this the, is absurd. <laughs> it's so and I will say this. If this were the court of law, which by the way, having this like on the people's court or something, this this would outrate the decision by a wide margin. If you're ESPN and you're losing subscribers anyway, right? Why not have Let's do this in the court. Let's set up two fake lawyers and Kevin Durant because the prosecution, which I suppose would be saying that this was Kevin Durant from a second account, would be able to present a case that then includes the Reddit thread of people finding other fake accounts, evidently, that Kevin Durant owns, which his teammates follow. Like It was on Instagram, right? There was an Instagram account that everybody thinks was Kevin Durant's second Instagram account that he would use to talk shit to people and defend Kevin Durant, etc. Um, and it all it's all a little shady because his brother would like tag this fake account in it. And so all the Internet sleuths went at it and then found that like this account that only had like whatever, a very minimal amount of followers was followed by like bunch of NBA guys. So it was like he had told NBA guys to follow this account because this is the that's the one he actually can talk, you know, any kind of way from. You know, his name's not attached. And so when that is presented too, it is almost like once the Instagram thing came to light, I was like, well damn man, maybe he did. Maybe he does have a bunch of account. Maybe he does have alternate accounts. And it wasn't just somebody in his circle that has access to the account. All right. I know that you are a Reddit deep diver. This is one of the great controversies in sports uh over the course of the last several months. What is your verdict, Kevin O'Connor? Well, so so first of all, shout out to Reddit. Like their their investigative reporting is top notch. Um, and shout out to Tim Cato of SB Nation as well. Um, he he did a little bit of a deep dive into Kevin Durant's Instagram, and yes, the the evidence is overwhelming <laughs> that 
that it probably was Kevin Durant. I mean, we don't know for sure, but um, it sure as hell seems like it was him who just forgot to flip that switch. And one thing I don't think I've really seen mentioned anywhere, but he used the word cats, right? Cats. That's notable because that's not a word many people really say these days. But if you listen back to interviews and may- maybe on certain podcasts in the Ringer Podcast Network, and that included Kevin Durant, you'll hear the word cats out of Kevin Durant's mouth on multiple occasions. You'll hear it from him in interviews over the course of the season saying the word cats. So I'm just saying that he used the word cats in the tweet or someone used the word cats in the tweet. And that's a word Kevin Durant has occasionally turned to um, when having conversation with the media or during interviews. Um, So that's another piece of evidence as well that I haven't really seen mentioned too much. Um, I think it's fascinating, Chris. I think, I think in some ways, like it is not super surprising, right? I mean, he just dropped those shoes that kind of like lit- literally stepped on the haters, right? Um, he's always kind of been knocked for being a little bit sensitive. And personally, I, I don't really care that he's sensitive. I don't think it's a bad thing or a good thing. It just, it just is. I mean, whatever he uses his motivation, whatever, it's cool, right? By me. Um, but it's just fascinating that we're at the point where we're talking about one of the greatest players of this era, like one of the most accomplished players, a future hall of famer. And he's catfishing people, essentially (laughs) logging into a fake account, just to shit on certain haters that are tweeting him things that in his mind are, are false. Um, and, and just one last thought, Chris, that what he said, it's, it's almost like, and I'm sure a lot of thunder fans feel this way. It's almost like he forgets that his team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, was up 3-1 on the Warriors and that they were right knocking on the door of the finals and maybe they would have won it. I mean, that team wasn't garbage. It wasn't garbage at all. I mean, you take away take away Russ and Durant from that team, yeah, they wouldn't be good, but that's true for any team, really, when you take away their superstars. They, that team was built probably as about as good as good of as you could have hoped um, to actually have a shot at making the finals in the West. And, and it seems like that's been forgotten in some ways that granted they've made some mistakes over the years, but that roster wasn't terrible. It, it was constructed pretty well around Westbrook and Durant. It, it's just, in my opinion, like it always comes back to this, just the Durant Westbrook dynamic wasn't perfect. I mean, the roster construct wasn't perfect overall, but it was quite good. Um, so I think that gets lost a little bit, but overall, Chris, I, I'm just blown away that we are actually talking about a future Hall of Famer creating a fake Twitter account to, to just trash some haters or, and a fake Instagram as well. That is, that is teammates know about, I mean, there's a, there's so many angles. I don't even know where I'm going with this, Chris, but like, I, I gotta, so that other thing, his teammates followed him on his private Instagram account. So people knew about it. And that makes me wonder if like other players have fake Twitter accounts too, that they're using to respond to people. Because if it's known that he had an Instagram where he just responded to people anonymously, then maybe other guys do too. I mean, how deep does this go, Chris? I will tell you that TMZ uh, ran up on uh, Draymond Green, and he just when they asked him about it, he just could not stop laughing. So, uh, <laughs> right, this is I all mean, he, he he put out a dick pic on Snapchat. Know, Let's be real now. I know. So, <laughs> right, he is at his own uh, social media faux pas. Okay, a couple things on this. So let's just say if we accept, if we accept that we do think it was him and he just forgot to switch the account and he was responding to this guy uh, defending Kevin Durant or explaining what he really feels. So let's just, let's at least, let's, uh, let's say that it is certainly a possibility 
that those are Kevin Durant's real feelings of which he was not going to, he would not express himself, but <laughs> he, that's how he really feels. And this is his outlet to be able to say that, right? The Donovan thing is surprising to me. Um, because there was never anything about that, right? Nothing ever came out about that. Like Kevin Durant, maybe not wanting to be, uh, to play for Billy Donovan. But that was one of the first things that he mentioned. I know there's been a lot of focus on the, it's just Russ and him and, you know, you can't win with those cats or whatever. But that Donovan thing is in there. And of all of the, of all the different articles that were written, I never saw it come up that that was an issue, right? Um, and I did have to wonder, you know, he loves Scotty Brooks, right? Like I did have to wonder, they made that switch for his last year. And then he says that. And I, at least there was a moment where I thought, I wonder if it's different if Brooks, you know, is never gone from there. I wonder if Scott Brooks like wouldn't have been gone from there. If, if maybe he plays it out in Oklahoma city, because I thought it was odd that one of the first things mentioned, well, okay. Here's what we got to know. It's either him or it's somebody close to him. End of story. So yeah. I, I, so I believe the contents of the tweets. That's the point of this, right? For, let's set aside yes. who it was. Whoever it was, I take what they say as fact, right? Um, and that that's how Kevin Durant really feels. And so the Donovan thing stands out to me, doesn't it, you? I mean, a little no. bit in some ways, but in other ways, not really. Just just because, I mean, maybe he just didn't click. Maybe he was so used to Scotty Brooks over the years that um, for him, he just wasn't, after one year, he just wasn't really feeling the change. Maybe but that's you would what admit it was. that never just, came up. Maybe, maybe it was the fact that Billy Donovan has Vegeta's hairline from Dragon Ball Z. Maybe it was that. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> maybe it was hard to look at him without thinking about um, a Gallic gun from Vegeta. Dragon Come Ball on. Z fans will understand what I'm talking about. Um, and everybody else is like, just stop. Dragon, <laughs> but, Dragon um, Ball Z. Yeah, we're talking about DBZ, man. Billy Donovan has the exact same hairline as Vegeta. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about, man. You got this, you got this nerd stuff it. that you Google it. I, I, I don't Google get it back. after the podcast. Billy Donovan, uh, it looks like he's about to go Super Saiyan. When he does, I'll just, all right, fine. Don't get, and please, for the love of God, don't get mad at me, nerds. Please don't get mad. I, I, I'm fine with you liking whatever you like. I just, I got no idea what the hell Kevin's talking about. If, if for what it's worth, I'm not making fun of Billy Donovan. I love Vegeta. I love his hairline, and I hope Billy Donovan can go Super Saiyan because that would be pretty incredible. Okay, now we have to, we have to say this. This will never leave Durant. And just won't. No, like, okay. Did you see what happened yesterday? I am not one that frequently, well, obviously there was the Embiid thing. Other people are going to goof about it. But by far the most interesting thing of anything that took place is you are just waiting for that moment where, when is he going to tweet again? This all (laughs) happens. The firestorm's going on. I'm like, is he going to be self-deprecating about it? Is he going to, is he going to give an excuse about it? Is he going to acknowledge that this has all happened and this firestorm is going on and that Reddit is doing the detective work to figure out about his Instagram and all this stuff? And what he does is he tweets out this 
Kevin Durant shooting contest with Chris Mullen. <laughs> and so I don't frequently just click and want to read the replies, especially on some kind of a specious tweet like that. But, oh, my God, have you read the replies to this? I mean, yes. <laughs> it, I just scrolled right by the video to look at those. <laughs> I was howling laughing <laughs> how like it's every one of them it's either is this you or it's a joke about it or it's uh who, who you know who's tweeting this or there was the one guy that tweets like if you scroll down a little bit it's like i got one two three four five six seven eight <laughs> tweets on my fake accounts <laughs> like which is an homage to 21 savage of course you have jimmy seafood which is some seafood place that responds, Jimmy Seafood, famous seafood, you guys have the best food in the world. Oh, oops. Like, I mean, you got like businesses goofing on him. You've got everybody sending memes and pictures. And oh, my, I mean, it is just unbelievable. And it goes on forever. I could not stop laughing. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I, no. I like the one with the shoes. It had like it had the words from his tweets put on the, the bottom of his shoes, the shoe soles, whatever they were. Um, I, I thought that was good. Like, because originally, like it was stepping on all the haters. Uh, that that one's like a, a little bit down the page. You got to scroll a little bit to see that one. But I thought that one was quite funny. I wonder if he does end up addressing it or how do you play it if you're him? Like, I mean, he, he's got to say something. He's media days next week and he's obviously going to be asked about it. Right. I mean, there's no way he's not going to be asked about it. So. Maybe that's why right now it's just silence. I mean, maybe you need to form, formulate your strategy about how to address the issue. Um, maybe maybe you do just say, well, it was somebody from my team who controls the account. Maybe that's just the safe route. Well, that's going to be that. Admit that's it, gonna... like, th- th- if you admit it, then you're definitely it's definitely not going away if you say, yeah, it was me. And like, fuck all the haters. <laughs> like, if you say that, yeah, then it's like but... nobody's nobody's going to stop talking about it. But it, maybe you should just say, yeah, it was somebody from my team. And maybe it was. It could have been. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, let's but... not rule that out. But nobody's going to believe it. I know nobody's going to believe it, but right. like if he admits it, then everybody knows for sure. Like that's, that's the tough part with uh, public yeah. relations. You're in a tough um, spot here, I, right? I, I don't, I don't know. What, what do you think that he should do, Chris? I mean, I, I really don't know. I am usually on the side of goof about it, right? The best thing yeah. you can do is goof about it because it just makes you way more likable, Right. So it's almost like I would goof about it if I'm him. And again, he would never do this. He'll never take my advice. Right. This will all be handled like in some kind of insane, serious manner. Right. Um, where he just kind of blows it off <laughs> and he, he'll, he'll put on the act. And, you know, that's, I don't even want to talk about that. Somebody, you know, somebody's got access to my account and blah, blah, blah. And then it'll just hope it goes away. Right. I would almost, which it will, which it will though, you know, I mean, well, for like sure. Draymond's I, dick pic goes away too. But I think the you're talking about it now. That's what I'm saying. Like it doesn't. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> but it's, it's not like something where people bring it up all the time. Right. It I got gotcha. fades away slowly over the course of time. I got it. That's fair. Um, I would almost film like a, a video since he's big into this video, right? He wants to take over the world with YouTube. I'd almost film a video making fun of the situation. 
and then everybody laughs. I am one of those that thinks that humor is the best way to deal with any of this stuff because it humanizes you and it makes you way more likable. I -hmm. would say, I would venture to say, the absolute best thing that has happened for the perception of Lonzo Ball was the Father's Day, I think it was Foot Locker commercial, where uh, it had yeah. it had the other yep. rookies because it just like poked fun <laughs> at the dad and everything, and it's like it's all been so serious and whatever else, and it made him intensely likable because he played that thing perfect, right? Where he was he was goofing on his dad, he was goofing on his situation, and it just. It's kind of like it's harder to goof on something when you're willing to goof on yourself. And so yeah. given given what we know about him, I I think that's rather far-fetched as something that could take place, but that would be my advice, advice that he wouldn't use, but that would be my advice. I would say that's how you I I I typically err on the side of deal with something like this in humor. Make fun of it. Because everybody else is making fun of it. So make fun of it too. Um, that's what I do, but I, let me say, um, quick story when people are okay with Durant, I'm a little surprised because obviously he has been a center of attention for, you know, a decade of his life. And he has been one of the great players in the NBA. He has not gotten as huge of a spotlight because he played in Oklahoma city at the beginning. Um, because of just the local coverage, that takes place there. It's not like New York. It's not like Chicago. It's not like Boston. It's not like LA. It's not like some of the places that uh, the spotlight is much brighter and every single move in your personal life and everything is dissected. That being said, um, he has had the spotlight on him as a superstar in the league for a long, long time. So I'm a bit surprised that at some point he didn't just decide screw all these people. I don't care what other people think about me. Right. Like, I think there comes a moment in a lot of people's lives where they've just got to be confident in themselves or it will cripple them. Um, what people thought I went through it very early in, in my career where at some point you've just got to decide like, if you're going to let if you if, if, if you're worried about everybody that will tweet you and say something horrible to you or doesn't like you or wants you to be fired from your job or whatever else, like it can eat away at you terribly. Um, and you should just got to decide at some point you cannot, when you're any kind of public figure and mine was just a media member, you got to decide, like, I don't care what these people say. Um, Cause if you do care, it will just eat you alive. And so I am shocked a little bit by that. On the other hand, um, and I've made this too long, but I will say, I think uh, I've been very uh, close with uh, a basketball team for many years now. And I think it would be incredibly shocking to people how much they care about what everybody says and writes. For sure, there are those yep. that don't, but I am telling you, they do. And part of it is because they actually keep up and they pay attention and it bothers them and they hold grudges like hell. Um, But a major part of it is the family and friends. 
and let me give you two examples that I think will uh, will bring this to light. So about two or three years ago, I uh, I was doing the uh, post game show for Grizzlies games, and I'm walking through the hall, and this uh, beautiful older black lady stops me in the hall, and she says, "Hey, Chris." And I was like, hey, how you doing? All right, I introduced myself, whatever. And she says, I just want to tell you, I watch you every game, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wow, that's really nice, whatever. And she said, I am, uh, and thank you so much for the nice things that you said about my son. And I was like, oh. And she's like, I'm Vince's mom. And I was like, what? And she's like, I'm Vince Carter's mom. She's like, I watch all the games in Orlando, whatever. And I was like, Holy mackerel. Now, it's one of those moments where, A, why on earth does anybody care what I say about Vince Carter? Like, to me, I grew up just like, you know what I mean? Like, you grow up, this guy's like an idol, right? Like, the fact that this is even happening is crazy. But it's also a little window into that she knows everything. Like, that's a mom that knows everything that everybody says and cares still. And you better believe she relays that to Vince. And he knows Okay, the second one was for about two and a half years. Tayshawn Prince, who had been on the league for over whatever, 15 years, right? He had been with the Grizzlies. He's not a not a super outgoing guy by any means, um, but is a super nice guy and really thoughtful guy. I had never much like most people had some kind of like long sit down conversation. We don't really we didn't really know each other. Um but obviously I covered all the games and I'm in the locker room one night and he grabs me out of nowhere and he says, Hey Chris. And I'm like, what in the world? Like we, again, we've never even like seriously talked. Um, it's besides mm-hmm. me having like a recorder in his face. Right. And he says, uh, my wife told me I needed to come grab you and, uh, and talk to you. And I was like, uh Oh, and he's like, uh, I just really want to thank you for standing up for me this year and the things that you said on the broadcast and blah, blah, blah. Cause he had gotten, he had gotten hurt and he was still being rolled out there and he was just not playing well at all. And I was like, dude, he's not playing well. Cause he's hurt. Like it's pretty clear the guy, like he sh- they should just be sitting him and whatever. So I kind of defended his poor play at some point. Um, but his wife had told him, go grab me. And, and thank me for, and I'm like, like, why does Tayshawn Prince care, right? Like, I mean, and and it's the same with like anything. It's like whether you say it on the radio or they read it in print, they uh, many a huge percentage are maniacal about it. And whether it's them or their friends and families, they know everything that's said about them. They really do. So this is a little extreme with the whole extra accounts, but the idea that they are way more sensitive. Or really care what anybody thinks, much less anybody with a microphone or a pen thinks is that's not crazy at all, at all. It's not at all, Chris. I mean, that was everything you just said was kind of one of the big shocks for me as I started writing. I mean, I I, I had one person, I don't know if he wants to be named, so I'm not going to say his name, but he told me a couple years back, he's like, the one thing you realize, like, as you're meeting NBA executives or NBA players is that for the most part, most of them are all just regular people who have really cool jobs, right? Yep. And if we're, if they're regular people like you and I, 
a lot of people care about what others think of them. I mean, I think some do more than others. Um, I, I, I think that's really where this all comes from. It's just the, the, the need to be liked, the need to, to have people like what you do, um, to like the decisions that you make. So for Kevin Durant, I'm sure for him, he probably hates every time like he tweets, no matter what it is that he tweets it, he sees mentions about like, you're a snake, you know, like just all this negativity when really he's just trying to put out all positivity um, with his actions. So I would imagine for him like that, that is almost hurtful in a way, despite all his success, despite all the good things happening in his life, despite the fact that he just won a title and, and hit some incredible shots in the NBA finals. Like it doesn't change the fact that there are a lot of people out there in the world who don't really like him for certain things that he's done that he feels like are probably perceived incorrectly. And maybe, maybe those people are in the right um, to knock him for that, but maybe they're not. So like in that sense, it's not surprising that he cares. Um, it's not surprising um, that executives care about how their trades are perceived. Um, I, I, I wrote an article months back. I, I forget, I forget what it was, but like in, in like the intro of the article, I, I dropped like a story I was told before and I'll say it here now. It's like someone told me certain executives or certain ownerships um, either currently in the league or in the past would care about how a trade was perceived. And so there would be situations where maybe the rumor leaked. Maybe it was something that they leaked or some it leaked somewhere else it's conceivable that certain people high up in front offices would like read local forums, right. Or local team websites, or they'd go on Reddit or real GM to see the reaction to a trade. Because if it's going to be perceived as like a highly negative, dumb decision by the team, then maybe they're less, less willing to make that decision. Even if it's something that they think that they should do. I don't have any specific examples. That's just a very vague story. I was told, but I buy it knowing the fact that, Yes, a lot of people in the league, not just in the NBA, but across sports, care about what people think about their decisions. And that's why, ultimately, I think the best front offices are the ones that just do whatever the hell it is that they want and don't worry about what the public thinks about it. Because you need to do what you think is right for you. And so for Kevin Durant, I hope for him, like this is a situation where he realizes, you know what? just forget it. Like it doesn't matter if some of these people think that's the type of person I am. I'm just going to be me. I mean, what is it that it says on his Twitter, Twitter profile? I, me, I do me. I chill. Like just li live by that, man. Like seriously, that's, that's who she sh he should be. I, me, I do me and I chill. Um, I think that's the mindset. Like he really, really, I hope he takes on um, because otherwise he's not going to be able to get past what people are saying about him or what they think about him. Um, but you just need to get by it, man. Like it's all noise. Like don't, don't let them get you down. That, that, that's what I would say to KD uh, or really anybody in that, in that matter who feels compelled to make a second account just to respond to a Twitter egg um, who's hating on you. I am unsure about his uh, relationship status. I, I, I suppose given the lack of reporting on it, I, I, I don't know that he has a girlfriend, fiance, wife, what a significant other, whatever it may be. Right. But I would say that it is one of those moments where I think it is extremely helpful in these situations. Um, it just for a matter of time, right. Um, when you are, when you're single, you can become like you got just like a lot of more time on your hands and you're on, and you're on your phone a lot and you're always like there is not as much stuff to take up your time and you do really worry about what everybody thinks about you a lot more that that was at least my experience 
uh, growing up, right? And then usually if I had a girlfriend or um, etc., I cared less. That was just my experience because, and that's just, you know, because of what uh, what's going on in your life. Um, but when that, that, that is at least I, re- I recall that being true of me with my job, right? It was almost like I had this, uh, I don't know, I, I don't, I don't, it's somebody that cared about me a lot or a validation or whatever it may be. Um, and the other thing is like, you, you just, you just got less time if you're in a relationship, <laughs> you just do, you know? <laughs> you sitting around on the no, internet. No, no time. No time to log in. To log into the second or third account. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying. You just don't, right? You just don't. Like if you're, you know what I mean. If you're, yeah. if you're single, you just sitting around playing. He's clearly just sitting around playing on the internet or on his phone all the time. You know. But that is true. I, I, that uh, that's not necessarily totally fair because I will say, all these guys. If you're an NBA, any NBA locker room, these jokers have their uh, just like you and me. They are addicted to the phones. They always have them. And the second that game is over, you walk in the locker room, they all got them in their hands. It's the first thing they pull out of their locker. First thing. You know, and a lot of it's, you know, family members texting them and what whatnot. But I guarantee they're on that social media app with a quickness. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. I, I, I mean, I, I know I got blocked by James Young before. So what? I mean, he he seeked out. He, I see he seeked out my account and blocked me. <laughs> I I if I I haven't checked. I suppose there's a site you could check this. The only guy, the only one yeah, I, I know, know is there. If if there is, if there's a site to check to know who's blocked you, like hit me up. I'd, I'd be curious if there are any other players. Just I mean, I don't really care, but it it would be interesting to see. It's one of those. I would be. I would probably shock. I would probably be shocked to see who has blocked me. I think, because I just don't know. There's nobody that I know, right? Um, like that I have an awareness that it has happened. Um, except for one guy. Oh, you'll love this. You don't know who it was. Who was it? Hashim <laughs> Thabit. What? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I mean. At the Obvious. same time, I don't know. I mean, clearly he was the, I mean, maybe the worst draft pick ever. I, I'm not, that's not. <laughs> well, I mean, he's blocking you again right now. I know. Even before this podcast goes up, he heard it, that. I know. That's not hyperbole. Like maybe the, like maybe the worst. And he's the number two pick. And you got to take into consideration. The next picks are like friggin' Uh, Tyreek Evans and James Harden and Steph Curry and I mean it's just it's the worst yeah. the absolute worst okay but I guess and I didn't know and it was I didn't even know until years later and somebody mentioned him and or like maybe retweeted him and like put me in the thing and then it said like you are not authorized to look at this tweet or something I was like what in the world and I clicked on it and it said you are blocked and I was like, wow. well, geez. And I was like, I was like, well, asshole, you finally got a block. <laughs> That's See, terrible. E- even that, like, I mean, even that, like if KD decided, oh, I'm just going to block everybody who tweets me hate, even that's like a couple clicks, you know, you're still wasting your time blocking people that, that tweet negativity at you. You're either better off just not looking at your mentions or just kind of, I mean, it's so oh, easy man. just to say, let it go. It's so easy to see because it's hard to let it go. Right. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like maybe maybe for someone like a Kevin Durant's status, 
when like it's just endless maybe like you just just do need to find self-restraint right, and not look at mentions e- this even is the one positivity of those, this is one of those breaking news moments where something happens when you're on the air so i just oh happened boy. to have i had durant's page pulled up in front of me and it said you know it it, it what's it called it like refreshed and it said one new tweet and i was like oh yeah this is going to happen right when we're on the air and the tweet is thanks oh, san francisco San, thanks San Fran Mag for oh. the love Cor- cover story out now. All right, let's click on it and see what the replies are. Nice, you're on the right account this time. Uh, oh my god! Gonna retweet from your burner account. Then there's a guy that just let's put address a bunch the of elephant sna- in the room, bud. LOL. Put a bunch of snake emojis. Is that your backup account? Is that UKD? Be strong. I mean, golly. It's never ending. I mean, it, it, and there's already like, there's already like hundreds of replies, and everybody is saying the same thing. I mean, like in some ways, it's like kind of sad, right? I mean, you got to about Think about the world we live in. Michael Jordan is known by more people as a crying face than as an incredible basketball player. Kevin Durant, to some people, is going to be known as like the high-profile player who makes fake accounts because he cares about what people think about him more Bananas. so than a great player. It's just so funny, the world we live in um, that, that's been kind of created through the internet. I, I'm cool with it. It's fun. I love it, but um, it's it's just really weird. It's very odd how that's happened. All right, my advice would be to just make a joke out of all of it. That's what I would do. Um, I doubt that's what will happen. I look, that's I look what, forward that's what, to seeing what he does. That's what I would do. I'm excited. There has to be. At some point, you can't just keep ignoring it. You have to acknowledge this is happening to you. Got it. Uh, all right. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to get to four burning questions as we are less than a week away from teams having their media days and training camp beginning. We'll do that on the other side. Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Wanted to make sure you were listening to the Bill Simmons podcast this year. We stepped it up with the guests. I don't even have time to list all of them, but let's just say we have had a who's who of A-listers, A-minus listers, B-plus listers, Sports, pop culture, movies, music. I mean, where else can you get Kevin Durant, Steve Ballmer, Jimmy Iovine, and Charlize Theron in the span of six weeks? Nowhere. The answer is nowhere. You can find that literally nowhere other than the Bill Simmons podcast. We are in year 11. It's been an honor to do it. Hope you subscribe. The Bill Simmons podcast. Check it out. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Kevin, four questions we're going to get to. Uh, as I mentioned, there's going to be media days next week. There's going to be training camp starting next week, and then the preseason will be right around the corner. Question number one, what do we make of the lottery reform that was pitched and uh, Adam Silver's seriousness of DMP rest? You go first. I I thought uh, Ben Falk cleaning the glass.com said it best. It's a Band-Aid for a broken leg. I mean, it, it helps. It's a Band-Aid. I think it's an improvement over the current odds. But at the same time, it still doesn't really hit at the actual issue, um, which, in my opinion, is the overvalued contracts. Um, but at the same time, even that's not really an issue because if you devalue those, then you're hurting the teams that actually draft those players and need those players locked up. So it's very difficult to find a solution that actually makes a whole lot of sense, which is why I want this to pass. And I think it will pass because it's kind of really just a a 
short term fix that maybe can ease towards um, a bigger change. So I, I'm happy with that. And I think the whole thing about this hurting small market teams is nonsense in the sense that the odds aren't going discri- to discriminate against small market teams. The teams that have like the sixth, seventh, eighth best odds, no matter their small market or big market, have an increased chance to win the NBA lottery. Yeah, because the argument, obviously, for for the small markets is this is our only chance to get an unbelievable guy, right? Um, we're not getting them by a trade and them re-signing with us, and they're not going to get them free agent-wise. Like, it's just, it, it, it's few and far between, or it almost never happens. So we need to draft the guy. Um, that being said, almost everybody, in fairness, if I'm on the other side arguing, I'd say almost Everybody has re-upped. Like, you get eight years out of these guys in most of the cases. Like, almost everybody. Okay, maybe their third contract, they leave to go somewhere else. But it has been extremely rare, even for the great players, to not sign their second contract with the team that drafted them. Right? Like, it just hasn't. Yep. It just ha- I mean, even Anthony Davis still playing in New Orleans, as far as I know. You know, and like even after we've seen guys leave, Durant played a long time in Oklahoma City, and LeBron played a long time in uh, in uh, in Cleveland, and even Gordon Hayward, right? He's not like some kind of top tier superstar in most people's mind, but I mean, he played a long time in Utah. It's not like they bolted after their first contracts to go elsewhere, and so that's the flip side of it. Um, because I th- I do think, but I do think that's certainly an argument that will be made if you're a small market like honestly us being horrible and then being able to win the lottery that's our one crack at getting an amazing player like the lakers are gonna be able to sign paul george next year possibly like we're not if you're you know a milwaukee or a memphis or new orleans or wherever right so I don't the, know, thing, the thing with the small market, Chris, is like when's how many small market teams have actually had like top three lottery odds, though, in recent years? I mean, look down the list. 2017 Celtics, Suns, Lakers, 2016 Sixers, Lakers, Nets, which were the, actually went to the Celtics because the flip pick. You look at 2015, then you have the Wolves, Knicks and Sixers. The Wolves are the only small market team. 2014 Bucks, Sixers, Magic. There you have two. Now we're starting to find some, but generally the 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 smaller markets, I would argue, as general premise, have had much better ownership slash management than the big markets. It's just been weird, right? With Brooklyn you, you and New York to. and L.A. and whatever, right? You you need to. I I, I think that there's so many different issues that this isn't going to solve anything, but maybe it'll help a little bit. Okay, and on the DMP on the DMP rest. Um, I'm hopeful that this works out in the sense that uh, teams are more uh, are, are more like certainly on national TV uh, that guys you don't have these moments where guys are all sitting. They clearly made an effort in the schedule to lighten it up uh, and extend it a little bit longer, reduce back to backs, reduce the you know eliminate the four and five days, all this crap. Um, but so I, I mean, I, if they hadn't have done that stuff. And then they say, yeah, and so on your end. But now I think it's obviously going to be taken very seriously because the league went out of its way to try to set up the best scenario for these teams to not be resting guys, especially in in marquee games. 
it's cool. It's cool with me. I mean, the, the new yeah. schedule is going to be better. It's going to be best for better for rest and recovery for players. Um, so that that's a good thing. Okay, next. Want these guys playing in big games. Uh, next, last year was an extremely rare uh, scenario for coaches in that nobody got fired. First time in forever. Um, who is really under pressure this upcoming year? I'll let you go first. It's got to be Doc Rivers, the LA Clippers re- revamped roster. Um, Doc preached at the Patrick Beverly Rockets uh, Hall introductory presser that, you know, there he's a ball movement coach. He's always been a ball movement coach. And, you know, that's what this team's going to be. The only reason they weren't that in the past is because of the the personnel that they had. And that's partially true. Um, but I want to see with this roster, with Blake Griffin, who's one of the best passing, playmaking, ball handling big men we have in the league today, along with Gallinari, who's very good in the pick and roll, along with Patrick Beverly, who was super effective as well. With all those guys who can handle the ball and pass and shoot, I want this offense to really resemble a modern team like a Spurs type of offense, a Warriors type of offense, Celtics go down the line, even the Sixers style of play, the way they move the ball side to side. That's the way I hope the Clippers play. And if they don't, then, I mean, what's the point of having Doc Rivers as your your coach if he's not going to maximize the guys on his roster? Um, So in my opinion, Doc should be on the hot seat. And I think with all the front office changes, there's a strong chance that he could be under pressure. It's always one of the big ones, right? You, you try to identify, okay, is, is the management new? And so when you have new management, uh, it stands to reason a lot of times they want their own guy, right? He's not their guy. Um, and so I think there's a view, right? Hoiberg was the first one that came to mind to me, right? Just given last year, I think everybody thought he was going to get gone and I, they're going to be really bad, but I don't know. It seems like they have just... They they clearly are putting one foot in in both wells uh, in terms of what they're going to do in the future. <laughs> but he's the first one that comes to my mind. But he may like they may just stick it out because I don't know. I I never know what the f they're doing with anything with the Bulls anymore. Um, they hired Doug Collins today, one of their old buddies, instead of a she, yeah. young progressive up and coming front office face in, in the crowd. They hired yeah, him, so, you know. So when you talk about new guys. When you talk about new I'm, guys, I'm right? Like Larry Bird ain't there in Indiana anymore, and so I could see McMillan, right? And obviously they're gonna lose, right? Because they don't have Paul George anymore. Um, so I could see McMillan catching it. Uh, uh, I could see. Here's a sneaky one, and it's just because of his 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 personality, his kid, and you, he could butt heads easily. With somebody, yeah, and again, mean, I don't know the personality if, of the new if guys. They, if they totally just tank, like if they're terrible, and by tank I don't mean uh, like tank, tank, like the Sixers. I mean if they're just terrible. No, maybe, it's, but, but I, sometimes I you can be good. He is such a competitor, right? And I'm a big Jason Kidd fan. Um, but I, 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 he is the kind of guy that can butt heads with people for sure. And if you got a new guy in there that doesn't have some kind of like long previous relationship with them. Then, uh, then I could see, I, I could see somebody. It, it, sometimes it's personality. A lot of times, good good coaches get fired because of personality conflicts. And so, when you hire somebody or you've got your guys with you, you kind of know the deal going in, right? Everybody kind of knows each other. But when it's a, a new group of people, um, that's when you start the backbiting and the pointing of the fingers and the coach says the roster sucks and the, and the, and the GM says the coaching sucks and you just got all these problems, right? 
that go on. So I can see that one. Uh, and I don't know. I don't. I mean, maybe Gentry, right? If the Pelicans start looking bad, you know, if it's going to be a non-playoff year, um, maybe Gentry. And that's about it. Earl Watson with Phoenix. They may just decide, hey, we suck, you know. Kind of like Orlando did when they had Jacques Vaughn. It's like, yeah, it's not your fault we suck, but, like, we're going a different direction. <laughs> right? I mean, it's not Earl Watson's yeah. fault that they're going to suck, but, mm-hmm. right? I, like, I like some, Earl Watson. I, some, I, I hope he sticks around. I know. At some point, they'll start blaming him, just like they do everybody, even though those guys have, like, no chance at winning. Uh, all right, number three, Stephon Marbury uh, wants to make a comeback. Who would you... Want to uh, make? Uh, who would you want to see make a comeback? Realistically, somebody that is now gone, but you would want to see them make a comeback. I got the Marbury thing is crazy. Names. I got five names for you, Chris. I'm oh, gonna go God. through real quickly. I got five names. Oh, two of them playing in, in Europe right now: Ekpe Udo, Ekpe Udo, and Anthony Randolph. Those two. Um, Udo looks significantly better. Draft Express put out a really good video a couple months back about how his game has progressed and how he could really be one of those versatile the defensive centers in today's league. And Anthony Randolph, I don't really think he's that good, but I think he's at least good enough to be on a roster. Um, the other two are players who are now out of the league. One of them, Ray Allen. I think that dude could still play. It's not realistic that he comes back, but you see that dude, he is still in great shape. He can still play. Um, then another guy, the end, other end of the spectrum, Glenn Big Baby Davis, there was a report out, out yesterday, I think it was from him, that he also wanted to make a comeback. I would love to see Big Baby back in the league, slim, looking good, playing, playing you know, good basketball. Not going to happen, but it would be nice to see. And then my last one, it's not really a comeback to the NBA because he didn't play, but he's a guy who really didn't get the chance to be an NBA player. Isaiah Austin. Um had had the heart condition a couple of years back, um, wasn't able to be drafted. Um, he obviously, I, people remember, he was at the NBA draft and kind of honored honored for that. And right now he's playing overseas. Um, I hope I hope he does well, and I hope he gets the opportunity, even just a sign with a G League team, um, to get that chance to really be back in the the NBA pipeline would be nice to see because he's a great kid and he's a good talent too. The health thing is so scary, but obviously one of those that comes to mind is Bosch, right? Because it just ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was still really good, right? Um, he was still really good. And doesn't Chris Bosch feel like the kind of – feels like he could be like Sam Perkins and still standing in a corner knocking down threes in like 10 more years. Like For he sure, just, he could still be effective. Right? Um, so that one stinks. I always, I, I, always lo- I, I always love the Jimmer, and he's killing it in China now, right? <laughs> I did. His I, new shoe looks great. I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not a shoe guy, but his shoe looks awesome. I love the Jimmer. Uh, it just never took. Um, let me say this. You know, you're talking about some of these other guys playing overseas. So I ran into this guy um, who I've known from a long time ago, and he's a guy. He played. He had a couple different ten day contracts in the NBA, um, but generally he has had a career over in China. In fact, he is going back uh, later this week, I believe, to China. His name's Lester Hudson. He's a. He was a Memphis high school. Uh, great uh, yeah. and and has gone on to play uh, professionally and so I anyways I run into Lester the other day and I'm talking to him and he was telling me about his team in China and he's like you know he's like we're gonna be really good like we would have a chance at the title this year and I was like oh yeah and he's like he's like yeah you know how you get two Americans right on these teams he goes you know who my other American is and I was like who he said Brandon Bass and I was like what 
<laughs> Brandon wow. Bad. I was like, really? Yeah, could, I I didn't know he was over in China. So play, play with Brandon Bass, and he t- and then he was like, and he's like, and our league's gonna be good. He's like, Ty Lawson's there now. Brandon Jennings is over there now. Like evidently, there was a bunch of guys that signed in China that I didn't even know. I didn't even know they went to China. Did you know Ty Lawson went to China? I I missed that. I I remember Lawson in China. I didn't know. I kind of forgot Bass signed there. I, I think there was something I owed a, maybe a couple months ago when he didn't get signed, or a couple weeks ago rather. Um, but I didn't. I kind of forgot all about that. I, I'm wonder. I'm wondering how will no pass Bass perform in China? That's gonna be fun to watch. He could put up some big ass numbers. Yeah. All right. So one of the things that came up when we, when we were uh, no when we were gonna discuss this was. It's hard. You know what's made this kind of hard was the big three, that tournament and that kind of stuff. Because you watch it and it's like, <laughs> okay, like I, 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 I absolutely would say Iverson, right? <laughs> but now you, like, you can't say him. It's like I don't want to see that. <laughs> I just, I don't want to. Uh, no, I would have said like, I would have said like Allen Iverson. Man, I'd love to see him go out there. Like, I promise you, this guy will be getting, you know, buckets until he, you know, until the casket drops. And then you watch the big three. He's like, actually, no, he won't. <laughs> he, he won't. He can't even score in this shit. And I'm like, oh, man, this isn't fun anymore, <laughs> right? So it's almost like I, I'd be interested in seeing the Marbury thing because evidently he could still play. Um, I'll give you one. And it's funny, uh, he tried to make the comeback a couple years ago, and I think was in the D-League for a minute, um, was Baron Davis. Baron Davis would be a fun Baron one. Baron Davis? Yeah, because he was... That would be a good one. Yeah, cause he, uh, because he... Because he... Somebody, you go pull this up on YouTube. Is his hilarious. He, so we went, and I think it was a D-League he played in. And if we like, click on the game highlights, this, uh, this dude was shooting from like 50 feet away, Kevin. Like, you know, he didn't even care. He was just pulling up. And if he, like, got in some kind of great shape or something, uh, I'd like that for sure. You know, uh, you know, him or a Nash or somebody like that, if they could play and give you some backup minutes, right? That would be more fun. Uh, all right, and then the last question that we are going to get to today. There's been a lot of focus on the rookie class. What second-year player is going to take the big leap. You are, uh, you wrote, or are going to be writing, or I guess I've already written and are going to be filing, but an article that's going to be coming out tomorrow or the next day about this particular subject. Uh, everybody's going to be talking about all these great rookies and Fultz and Ball and Tatum and on and on and on. So what about last year's rookies, the guys that this upcoming year we think could take the big second-year leap? Is there somebody first that comes to mind for you? Yes. Um, there's a player who is in his second year who has been just like falling down all those redraft lifts, lists behind the likes of like Gershon Yabusele and Juan Hernan Gomez, a guy who's left off all the forward looking top 100 lists. Um, and he's Brandon Ingram. Uh, I, I I am amazed how how much he's been overlooked just after one kind of disappointing year when I thought, at least in my opinion, the the the, the expectation going in was like this probably isn't going to be a great year for him because he's so thin and his body needs to go so far um, and so many and his jump shot still wasn't quite there yet as a rookie. 
uh, I didn't expect him to do much of anything as a rookie. And I thought by the end of the year, he made some pretty good progress. He's a guy who was a late bloomer in high school. It took him a while to get going his freshman year at Duke. He got off to a really bad start. Like I remember vividly writing an article in December of his rookie of his freshman season at Duke, you know, just kind of saying, well, here's what we need to see from Ingram moving forward. Otherwise he's going to be a disappointment. And Jerry Stackhouse, who at the time wasn't a coach for the Raptors, I believe he was one of one of like Ingram's trainers. And he responded to it like, hey, man, chill out. You know, he's going to be fine. And I was like, I know. And he will be. And that's the way I feel still today. Ingram will be good. All right. I will say this. Uh, I actually would say Ingram, too. And here's the deal. There's a report that he grew two inches over the summer. He's got the seven three wingspan. He uh, saw him in summer league just for that very short amount of time at the beginning. And he was awesome. He looked great in that game. Uh, and the other thing is there was a, there's an article that I just read recently by a guy named uh, Frank, Frank Urbina writes for Hoops Hype. And it was it, the whole article was why Brandon Ingram is poised for a breakout season. And I already loved Ingram anyway, but he gives all these numbers. And I know the a lot of the numbers weren't very good on him, um, but he gives a lot of these numbers and he puts it in the context of how old the guy is, right? His age. And you gotta, when you see yep. it, right, when you see it from that perspective about what he did and it said uh, one of the stats was, He's the fifth player in league history to have at least 150 assists, 53 pointers, 36 blocks for a season at the eight, before the age of 19. The other five guys were Kobe, Carmelo, LeBron, and Durant. <laughs> I mean, like, damn, hmm. right? I mean, you do. He's still he's so young. Um, you know, he's got all the tools. I'm I'm with you, right? So he stands out for sure as a guy that can make a that, that will make the le- leap, and I am. I'm shocked at what you just said about some of these redraft lists and where they're saying he could possibly go. Um, you know, one of the big candidates is Jalen Brown for sure, right? I mean, you know more and you have yep. seen more of Jalen than I have, but it's rather clear he is going to get a lot of opportunity, and he certainly showed flashes, including during the postseason last year where – a lot of people wanted to get some Jalen Brown stock. Could you see it with him? I could definitely see it with him. I I think smart Marcus Smart is the guy who could really be the breakout player um, with an increased opportunity. I think I think it might sound counterintuitive because he's a guard, but I think he could be the guy that actually takes on the quote unquote Jay Crowder role at least to start the season. But absolutely, Jalen Brown um, could be ready to take a leap as long as he improves like decision making and ball handling. Um, at the, in those areas, he definitely could be a breakout candidate. I'm just not sure the opportunity will be there like it could could be for Ingram. I'll give you another one, and it's because I really like the guy coming out of college, and I know his knees were a factor, but um, Denzel Valentine. I can absolutely see him having a way better season, way better than he did. He's good. I think that's a really good one. I mean, he can dribble. He's a four-year college player. Took took him a while. Yeah, he can dribble. he He can dribble. He can pass. He can shoot. You know, he can do all kinds of things, and I, I, I did like him coming out. I did not think that that was uh, by any means uh, a goofy pick. Uh, I liked that pick for them, and like, it was just a bad first season. And just never forget, once upon a time, there was a player that was a, also a four-year college player that averaged 13 minutes a game, shot 32% from the field, 21% from three, averaged 
three points and three rebounds. Uh, and it was Draymond Green. I mean, it's Draymond. I mean, you know what I mean? Again, I'm not saying Denzel Valentine is going to be Draymond Green. I'm just saying there are example after example that if you assess the guy based upon his rookie season, you could make a huge mistake. Right. And so 100%. You got to be think, patient. Yeah. Got to be patient I, with a lot of guys. And so you kind of, I kind of stick with what I thought initially, which was I thought Valentine could be a really solid pro. And I still believe that. And and obviously he's gotten, you know, in the absence of Jimmy Butler, now we're going to see, right? Now we're going to see. It, it, it is important. You, you can't you can't totally stick to your initial evaluation. You need, you need to revise it, but you can't also just throw it all away after one bad year. And so for someone like Denzel Valentine, who did have athletic questions entering the league, you need to give him time to acclimate, especially when he had inconsistent opportunity and a really bad situation. Um, give him time. And I, I hope he gets consistent opportunity yep. this year because he's a high IQ player who can stroke the hell out of threes. Good passer. Um, he could be a player if he gets a chance. By the way, in our original guy that we both agreed on, Brandon Ingram, uh, Kevin Durant, the real Kevin Durant, um, did not, uh, he didn't scoff at that at all when he has gotten the Ingram comps, right? When people say that, he does not scoff at that. You know, and a lot of times it's like, hey, let yeah. the guy be his own he, guy he, or whatever. He's, and, I, and that's crazy, but he clearly has a tremendous amount of respect for Ingram and thinks, yes, he has a chance to be a great player or else you would kind of be like, eh, let's pump the brakes on that, right? He was number one on my board that year. Um, no, DX had him number one as well ahead of Simmons, and I still feel that way right now. I think Ingram has a chance to be a really terrific player for a long time in the NBA. Guys like him at his height don't really have his passing ability, his playmaking ability, the ability to score from each level of the floor. He's, he's a r- potential rare player if he puts it all together. It all comes down to that jumper, though, like it does for so many guys. Kevin, when we next speak... Um, I will have already been to a media day. There will be tons of media day coverage coming up at the beginning of next week, and then uh, pre- uh, all the media day stuff will happen. Uh, there will be a ton of stories that come out of that, and then preseason basketball will be right around the corner. Can't wait. So uh, thanks, brother, and uh, we'll talk again next Tuesday. Looking forward to it, Chris. Maybe next week we'll do another 40 minutes on what Kevin Durant says at me today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks to everybody out there for listening from all around the world. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we will talk to you next week.